Well, good morning. So uh, it's great to have you guys here this morning. Yesterday was uh, an awesome day as we sent out over 600 people into the community. And, and uh, I don't know where we were at, around 30 groups, somewhere in there. And uh, just exciting to see the different places going on. I know we helped pick up trash behind the Walmart over to Bass Pro. So you can go to Bass Pro today and be in awe of how beautiful that place looks, right? And uh, so we helped pick up over there with the uh, East Peoria Clean Sweep and then kind of connected with some other people. But there was some great things going on all over the place. Get on Facebook. You can see some photos of that. And uh, just neat to see people uh, all the way out to Camp Kearney, like 40 minutes away, 30 minutes away, and doing some cleanup there and up at the marina and visiting the bottoms and bringing food over to them. And, and uh, hey, let me tell you something. This place became the hands and feet of Jesus Christ yesterday. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And uh, so, hey, last week we were talking about be a light. And uh, this week we're talking about be an encouragement. And uh, those are bookends to what went on yesterday. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so that's just a starting point. Like Pastor Kent said, that's a starting point yesterday, but a great way to understand what it looks like to just begin to care for those around you, to be a shining light in a dark world. Last week's message to be an encouragement. This week's message. Well, how, how do I be an encouragement, Tim? I'm not even sure I know how to do that. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. And let's get going there, all right? Philippians 2, 19. We got the ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. And if you need a Bible, just uh, raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Uh, just keep your hand raised. They'll get a Bible to you, all right? We're going to walk verse by verse through this last part of chapter 2. Philippians 2. So be an encouragement. The first point, be an encouragement. As you single-mindedly, sacrificially follow your king. Single-mindedly, sacrificially follow your king. That's how you be an encouragement. Uh, As people look at you, they see you following the almighty Jesus Christ. And, uh, And they'll get something from that, all right? So let's just walk into it a little bit. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. So that I too may be cheered by news for, of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will be going with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. This is one of those reprieve moments within Philippians where Paul is, he's been pressing hard on the doctrine. And then he stops and he's like, I need you to know, I care about you. And I'm sending some people to you. Get ready. All right. And so he starts out there. uh, I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope in the Lord Jesus. That's the way we need to hope. All right. Not I hope uh, in myself. I hope uh, that whatever I could make up in my little mind would be absolutely the way it goes. Not that. I hope in the Lord Jesus, may he and his greatness and his sacrifice, his awesomeness, may that be the center of my hope as I now see him work in this world. I hope in the Lord Jesus. Uh, It's a hope that means it's eternal It's guided by God Almighty. It's protected by his greatness. That's the hope that Paul has. And whatever comes down, Jesus has it in hand. Amen? 
And that's the way we need to think. When they give us 75% forecasted percentage of rain yesterday, and we end up with sun for actually about 10, 15 minutes, and just little bits of rain here and there, it was a very cool moment uh, to see God just make that morning work out well. And uh, just a little bit of rain that did come was uh, not stopping anything. And uh, just a small touch of God working with us and having his way with us. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So notice, so that I too may be cheered. How does that work? Well, like this guy, Timothy is going to be sent from Paul who's in jail and he's sending a letter along and now Timothy shows up over there and somehow that's going to cheer Paul up. Like he flips open his cell phone and he's like, hey, Paul, I made it and everything's looking good here. And they're really happy and... There were no cell phones until like 15 years ago. Let that settle. Are you kidding me? I thought cell phones were around for eternity. And, uh, right, every high schooler is like, how could you live without them? You can't even text your friends? And uh, so Timothy is going over there. How's he going to get the news back? He's coming back the other direction. That's what's happening. And Paul's assuming, hey, I'm going to be in prison long enough that Timothy's going to come back and visit me and tell me how it's going there. And uh, so I'm sending him out as a messenger, and I'm hoping to have him come back as a messenger to me with good news to send Timothy. Uh, I just thought it might be a good idea to break down who this Timothy guy is. All right. So let's just do a little biography moment for Timothy here. Um, Timothy, his mother, Eunice, his grandmother, Lois, both believers. Second Timothy one five. He's got mom and grandma believing in Jesus Christ and on fire for him. Second Timothy one five there. Timothy is well instructed in the Old Testament and in the law and the prophets. This man knows his stuff. Second uh, Timothy three fifteen. He's got it together when it comes to understanding Old Testament, okay, but also Jesus Christ. Um, his mom Jewish and his dad Greek. Acts chapter sixteen verses one and two. Mom Jewish. Uh, dad's Greek. That's how he got into the Old Testament and the law and the prophets because mom bringing the Jewish background, right? And so she's teaching what she knows and she's bringing him to the synagogue and she's getting him raised up and he's very aware of the Jewish relationship to the scriptures and who this Messiah will be. And uh, Timothy knows his stuff when it comes to the old and the new. Um, you know, dad being Greek meant that he was going to be raised not exactly totally Jewish, and so, uh, uh, fact, Timothy was not uh, circumcised, and so Paul did. So Timothy, as an adult, Acts chapter 16, verse 3. I'm moving on from this topic now. Uh, Timothy, saved as an adult, and uh, just so we're clear, the uh, circumcision was not for salvation, Okay. This was not even to follow the law like the law needed to be followed. Paul was saying, hear me, we're going in and we're going to be talking to some Jewish people and they know your mom is Jewish. And dude, if you get busted not following through, they're not even going to hear you. And so let's do Romans 14 and not cause them to stumble. Right? Let's help them out. That's what he was doing. And uh, so we're going to be all things to all people as we go out and minister. That's what that message was all about. Uh, Paul called him a true child in the faith. First Timothy one, two, 
We're not exactly sure what this means. It could mean Paul led him to Christ. It, it, it probably means more that Paul took him and raised him up in Christ and just poured into him like a father would pour into a son. All right. And so spending a ton of time with him and uh, called him his own son in the faith. Um, he went on a ton of missionary journeys with Paul. He had a lot of short-term missionary experience. You know what I'm talking about? And, and they're like, really? You went on a short-term trip? Who'd you go with? The Apostle Paul. Wow. Right. And uh, where'd you go? Uh, Corinth, Macedonia. Have you heard of those places? I think I have. Right. This is Timothy's experience. Berea. Really? The place that checks the scripture for the guy who's speaking all the time and making sure. And oh, yeah. In fact, I pastored there for a while. Really? This is Timothy's biography. All right. This guy had it going on. Corinth and Macedonia, you know, he was in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 20, verse four with, with Paul. So he's around the whole, uh, upsetness is going on in Jerusalem and traveled with Paul into Jerusalem and helped work out with leadership sitting next to Paul. He's watching Paul preach and teach and heal. Get this, Timothy, he lived in the city of Lystra, Acts chapter 16, And Paul shows up there to uh, share his faith. And as he shares his faith with power and authority, the people are stirred and they're moved. And they're like, that is awesome. In in fact, I think that guy might be Zeus. That's what they did. They began to mix their theology with his theology. He's so powerful in his speaking. Maybe he's the Greek god Zeus. And so they began to spread that word around. And Paul's in charge, and Paul hears it, and in true Paul fashion, it says he runs into the streets, and he tears his clothes, and he says, may it not be so, I'm just pointing you to the God of gods, I'm not God, do not worship me, you worship him, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, and Timothy is standing there in Lystra going, wow. That's what he's witnessing. Uh, Well, they really didn't listen to Paul. They actually got pretty fired up still about, I don't know, man, I'm still thinking Zeus. And uh, you got to love it when people don't listen well, right? And uh, right, every parent in here is like, amen. And uh, he's trying to make the point and they don't want to hear it. And so then what happens? The Jews in the area are like, that's it. I'm sick of this. You want to preach Jesus Christ? That makes me ill, right? We don't agree with you on that. Now on top of it, you're being called a God? Get stones and stone the man. And so they come in and they stone him in Lystra and drag him out and leave him for dead. It says the next day he stood up, shook the dust off and went back in the town. Timothy's in that town going, that's the same guy. This is who he hooked up with to do his missionary journeys. All right. Does Timothy have a model of on fire for Jesus Christ? Nothing will stop me. Are you seeing what I'm saying? All right. Timothy. Seeing a lot of things. Hey, last one here, Timothy. He uh, helped write Romans, Romans 16.4. Paul brings his name up. Second uh, Corinthians, uh, that's in verse chapter 1, verse 1. And Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1. He's a part of the authoring, the writing. He's at least recording it and writing down what Paul is saying. He's a part of these letters. He actually had two letters written to him. First Timothy and second Timothy. And, and as he's pastoring, he's getting letters now written to him. You're young in the faith, but here's what it'll look like. And this dude's a rock star in the early church going on and, uh, well-educated and 
well-seasoned. And so he sends Timothy to be an encouragement, all right? And he hopes, too, to be cheered up as he gets good word back. This is the guy he's sending, all right? Young, seasoned veteran. So it says, here's some reasons why I want to send him to you. See the word for? Purpose statement there, right? For, in chapter, or in chapter 2, verse 20. Here's why. I have no one like him. So now we're going to go into six different reasons that he's an encouragement. And uh, Lord, help me to be an encouragement, maybe even like this. All right. Uh, What's it look like to be an encouragement? Follow Timothy's example. He says, I have no one like him. In fact, in the original language, the word said, he is like-minded to me. Is kind of the point. And there's nobody else like that. And uh, it's not that Paul was weird and he could only find one other weird guy. That's not what he's saying. He's like... He gets Jesus Christ and he gets the scriptures and he gets the way I think and he understands what it means to be committed. And when we talk about standing up and going somewhere, that man is always standing up and going, Paul, I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, let's go, baby. He said, I'm just telling you that guy. I love that guy. We're like-minded and we're headed the same direction. And, uh, want to be an encouragement grasp what god is doing in this world grasp what god is doing in the scriptures grasp what god is doing in your heart and let him have his way with you you will find yourself like-minded to the holy spirit like-minded to jesus christ and like-minded to those around you who are doing the same what an encouragement to see a church on fire beating to the same drum So same mind, that's the first thing he was doing of encouragement. Uh, The second one, uh, sympathetic. It says he is genuinely concerned for your welfare. I love how he throws the word genuinely in there, right? Uh, A lot of people look like they're concerned, but in fact, they're just trying to look like they're concerned. You know what I'm saying? And And I want you to be able to think that I love you. And so I'm doing things for you. Um. But inside, I really wish I was doing da-da-da-da-da. Timothy, his heart is all in for these people. He is genuinely concerned for their welfare. Uh, Spiritual, physical, emotional. Yes, yes, yes. All of it. I want to be able to be there for you. I want to care for you. I want to pray for you. I want to help you. Is there anything I can do for you? He's laying it on the line, Timothy. He's got it, and he's willing to give it. Sympathetic, all right? And uh, it's not fake. He's got a real heart for these people. Big deal. Everybody say real heart. That's your goal. You want to be an encouragement? Have a real heart. For the one next to you, for the one you haven't met yet, uh, for the house you're stopping by at to drop off some food in the middle of Richland Bottoms yesterday. Have a real heart for them, a compassion for them as you care that they know Jesus Christ and that they grow in him. Timothy, same mind, sympathetic, uh, single-minded, single-minded. He says right after it here, uh, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Implication, but Timothy doesn't, right? They all seek their own interests. Uh, like anytime you ask them what's going on, they seem to have them at the middle of the answer. 
right? And, and me, man, me and my world, that's what it's all about. And, and, and hey, can you help out here? I really can't. I have to mow my lawn. Hey, there's real things we have to get through and do, and there's nothing wrong with mowing your lawn, but somehow my stuff always becomes most important stuff. And I can't set it down and come over and help somebody else do their stuff. And, and I'm all about me. And in the midst of trying to be helpful and in the midst of trying to be genuinely caring, I also am genuinely caring most about me, right? And then what happens? You unwind your ability to make an impact. And uh, he said, I'm just telling you, these people, uh, I think this is hilarious. This is Paul, the apostle Paul, early church, planter of many churches, growing people. And he's like, sheesh, they just care about their own interests. And may we not be that church. How easy it is to get distracted into your own world and your own stuff. And uh, all of a sudden your calendar is filled up. And just be careful. Be careful what you're teaching your kids. Little parenting moment here. Be careful what you're teaching your kids as you take a pen and mark on your calendar every sporting event. And you take a pencil and you mark church. Be careful. Uh, Be careful what you show matters. And what's flexible? Be careful that Jesus Christ is put first, all right? And trust me, I have no problem with kids playing sports. I don't need the emails this week. I I get it. That's great. I'm good with them doing it. Have fun. Just be careful what kind of prioritization you give to things. And uh, make sure you show Jesus Christ number one in your home. It'll teach your kids a ton about how to act and react, all right? And... uh, So single-minded, what's the opposite of single-minded? What would you say? Biblical word, opposite of single-minded is? Double-minded. Like, I got two minds going on. What are your two minds? Well, number one, Jesus is awesome. And number two, uh, so am I. Right? And I'm going to do both. And, and so somehow it, like James chapter one talks about being tossed to and fro on the waves because you're listening to every wind of doctrine and a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. James one eight, right? And picture a raft in the middle of the ocean. Ready? Got to picture it. Picture it. And now the waves are slapping back and forth and the raft is just kind of going like this aimlessly. And, and that's what you are. When you allow yourself to get slammed by self and then try to put Jesus in the middle of it and you just sort of toss to and fro, back and forth, not getting anywhere in progress. Paul's like, that's what most of the church is. And I got some struggles with it, but that Timothy, single-minded, Jesus Christ, him alone, and let's get it done for him. Let's grow the kingdom for him. And uh, wow. What a powerful statement. I just wrote this phrase, uh, seasick. That's what you get when you're double-minded and unstable in all your ways, right? Seasick with selfishness. You can't explain why you don't feel good about it, but you don't feel good about it, and it's because you're being tossed all over the place. Seasick with selfishness. Uh, Don't be that guy. Encouraging? You want to know encouraging? I'm in. The end. Let's watch God be glorified now. And so same mind, sympathetic, single-minded, and now seasoned. It says, for you know Timothy's proven record, right? For you know Timothy is proven and uh, or proven worth. 
this value. There's something going on in the man that shows himself seasoned veteran. And uh, there's an encouragement in that. When you see somebody who hasn't just done it for a day or a week or a month or even a year, but for years and continued on. And God's using him repeatedly as a seasoned veteran. Uh, remember, Timothy's been out on the road already witnessing, sharing of his faith, being bold enough to lean in with a friend and share, being bold enough to talk to somebody he's never met before and share, witnessing, healing. He's seen healing going on and teaching going on and preaching going on. He's seen hundreds of people coming to Christ. He's seen churches established. He's seen elders prayed over and installed. Timothy's watching the churches be planted all over the place and he's getting fired up. He's been a part of it. He's been able to have his hand in it. And his prayer is, God, use me in whatever way possible. Paul's basically like, that boy has no quit. You know what I'm saying? And uh, there's a lot of encouragement when you hang around people like that. They stir you up. They give you fervor to continue on, to take another step yourself. And, um, you know, Timothy's got a list of names of places he was. The, the Corinth, the Berea, the Macedonia. The, I mean, you go down through the list in Acts. You look at where he's been and look at Paul's references. I mean, the guy has like the, the unbelievable who's who list, right? It's sort of the, I'll just use this example, um, Band of Brothers. You know the movie I'm talking about? It's 101st Airborne. This is a true story, right? This is a group of guys who experienced horror for a couple years of war. And uh, in the midst of that, in Normandy and Bastogne and seeing unbelievably tough situations. And it got to the point where if you were in the 101st Airborne and they're like, were you at Normandy? No. Yeah, whatever then. You know what I mean? Like you didn't see what we saw. There was something that went down extra and above. Timothy's kind of got that list in him. Like, were you there at Corinth? Yeah. I was. Were you there in Berea when they went through that and they had to switch to get new leaders in the, yeah, I was, right? Timothy's there in all the tough stuff. He's kind of sitting at the cream of the crop as far as experience. Seasoned, uh, I'm not even sure that uh, we could use that word. It's almost an understatement. Uh, Encouragement. It's, Lord, wherever I am today, what does it look like now over the next couple of years to begin to get seasoned? That I might be able to see you work in my family, with my friends, uh, in my workplace. That I might be able to share the truth of who you are in a way that makes me an encouragement to those around me. Lord, use me. Have your way with me. I'm done with it being all about me. I want it to be all about you and I'm available. What do you want done? And, uh. Be an encouragement. I'm telling you, we take a couple thousand people and we get a bunch of people going after, Lord, use me. I'm sacrificially yours. What do you want done? I can't even imagine what God could do in this world. And uh, that's our prayer, that we can put on the map the name of Jesus Christ as so many are rocked for him. Amen? Man, our job is to be that. And uh, are you ready to be that encouragement? I'm not talking, are you ready to read a passage and go, wow, that guy was really an encouragement. I'm talking like, are you ready to read that and go, Lord, please help me to be that now. 
Lord, I'm ready to be used. What do you want done? I'm ready to be used wherever you want it. Use me. All right. Notice now he says, um, he's talking through the, the values of being an encouragement. And he said, generally concerned, uh, they seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but not Timothy, right? He's single-minded. You know, Timothy's proven worth how a son with a, how as a son with a father, he has served me. How as a son with a father, this is like, we are tight, tight. The relationship we've had as we laugh together and cry together and long together. Uh, hey, America teaches that it's all about aloneness, uh, oneness. Get out there on your own, make your own mark. Uh, just so you know, that is not biblical. It is about togetherness. It is about you finding other people to lock arm in arm with. Why do we do these impact groups? Uh, because you see it modeled in scripture. Because in the middle of doing impact groups, you then decide together to go out and serve at Compassion Day. And now you're serving side by side and laughing, sometimes getting rained on, sometimes not. And, and you're doing things together, growing together, learning together. And man, may there be that tight family relationship. That's an encouragement to those around you. As you're growing to be more like Christ, as you're helping others to grow to be more like Christ, that bond that gets formed between you will never be broken. And that's an encouragement to the body of Christ. Grow family in the church. Not just some friendship that you have once every couple months when you say, hey, and maybe do a lunch. But do life together. Do ministry together. Be a son to a father kind of a relationship. And notice he says, lastly, uh, that he serves, that he serves. He says, he served with me in the gospel, servant-hearted, serving with me in the gospel. He sacrificed it all. His last statement here, he served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Are you hearing, Paul? Like, I'm going to send him. I just want to be able to send information of what's going on in my life too. I need you to be able to get an update of what's taking place in, 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 the, in my imprisonment. And, and am I going to be there forever or for a short time? And what are they doing with me? And Timothy's going to come with that info. And so right now I'm sending a letter and I'm going to be sending the man, Timothy, and he's going to be bringing info of what's going on with me. Just hang on. All right. Uh, encouragement. Keeping people in the loop. Right? Uh, how often are we get out of the loop and all of a sudden we feel fairly discouraged and, and uh, it's easy to do that. It's easy to accidentally not keep people in the loop. And uh, be careful of that in your family with friendships. We have to be careful of that as we're leading the church. There's a party with the pastors at 1230 today. Did you know that? All right, you're in the loop now. <laughs> Just got to keep it clear, right? And uh, love to have you. And uh, if that doesn't work, July 14th and... And we work hard at trying to get communication out there to care for you guys. And uh, what's going on? He says, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And I trust, how? In the Lord, right? Like I'm not going to make this about a demand before God. I want what I want. And, but Lord, I'm trusting you to release me. May you be glorified. Your hands on it. Your will be done. My request, release. 
Lord, what do you want done? May your will be done, not mine. And uh, that's how we pray. Repeatedly, that's how we pray. This is my specific request, but your will be done, Lord. What do you want done? I stand before you and I'm ready for you to do anything. What do you want it to be? All right? Over and over again, we see that prayer modeled. And um, hey, being an encouragement. And uh, we talked about single-mindedly, sacrificially. Uh, Those are six elements of Timothy that are just a phenomenal example of what it would look like for you to be growing up in your walk within the church and be an encouragement to those around you, to leadership and saying, Lord, use me this way. I'm ready to be used. So uh, just thinking it through, uh, let me throw the words out there again. Same mind, sympathetic, like I'm genuinely concerned. Single-minded, not distracted by me, but Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Uh, Seasoned, give me some experiences along the way, Lord. Family, like son, and then a servant heart. That's what it looks like to bring encouragement into the body. You know, this last week I had a guy come up to me and say, hey, um, just want to tell you a story this week. Uh, Work was not going well. Coworker, um, not cool. Doing some things that just were rude and, and offensive, and 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 there's just a couple of us here, and, and it was taking from me. And and he said, "I'm telling you, I was basically all week long. I'm like loading the gun. I'm just getting angry. I'm thinking about how unfair it is, and I'm stoking it up, and I'm getting more and more ready to be able to unleash it on him on Wednesday. And and I'm getting ready, man. That's so unfair, and right." And uh, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Just me and him. All right. And, uh, and so you're stoking it up, right? And he's getting ready and he's like, oh, he's like five minutes before going in, getting ready to talk to the guy. Phone rings. Picks up the phone. He goes, hello? And it's a brother in Christ. Uh, also attends this church. Just says, hey, bro, been praying for you. I know you called earlier. Sorry, I missed your call. What's up? Well, let me tell you what's up. And he kind of goes through a little bit of it. Friend just says, hey, do me a favor. Let's just stop right now and pray. And let's just put it all before God because he's doing something. What is it, right? And they just walk through it, pray through it. Both of them praying. By the time he's done, he said, Tim, I'm telling you, I had five minutes. I'm telling you, by the time I'm done and I'm hanging up the phone, I'm like, it's gone. There's no more stoked anger. I'm good. And whatever you want to do, God. And he walked in and there was still the talk, right? You got to be real with where some things are and, but not the anger. And, and, and it went fairly well and some things that he needed to confess and apologize before God for. And that's just a piece of it. Ready? Now it gets bigger. So yeah, encouragement from a friend and a phone call gets here Wednesday night, helping out with the kids and, uh, Kevin's preaching and challenges them to really be thinking through what's it look like to be getting back with God saying, Lord, please forgive me for, and getting some stuff right. And the kids go around and they're all getting real and they get to him and he's like, let me tell you my story. And he tells us and the kids are like, Whoa, are you serious? Like right before it. And God brings the phone call in and they're in awe. And, and so then they just stop and they say, it's time to pray. And so they all pray. And he said, Tim, I'm not kidding you. More confession broke out. We're talking like fifth, sixth, seventh grade age range, right? And more confession is breaking out as they're coming real with him. And then he's praying and they're praying and there's some tears in it and real in it. And 
be an encouragement. You never know what God's going to do. And you never know how he's going to stir. And you never know who needs to hear, I love you. I genuinely love you. And I'm praying for you. How's it going? You doing okay today? Reach out. And I'm telling you this, when the phone rings and you're stoking it up, answer. Right? And all of you are like, yeah, I know. Right? Be careful. All too often we set aside the phone call from God, if you will, because we're making it all about me and my moment and my anger and God has something to say. And sometimes it's through a friend and sometimes there's a word and sometimes it's through the radio and I don't care where it comes from. Just listen when it comes and let God have his way with you. Be an encouragement. It's about taking the next step. Wherever you are, one step and helping those around you to do the same. All right? Be an encouragement. So question, uh, who's God calling you to be an encouragement to? Who do you know who's maybe wrestling with something or they've been going through a struggle or maybe they've just been really encouraging to you and you just want to say, hey, thanks. Thanks for doing what you've been doing. And uh, one name. Go home with a name and go after it. A phone call, a letter, an email, a text, whatever. I don't care. Make the connect and say, hey, just praying for you, thinking about you, or thanks for being uh, what God's called you to be, whatever it is, all right? Be an encouragement. And question, is anybody challenging you? Anybody leaning on you to do the right thing? Please be an encouragement to them by listening. You ever hear me? Everybody's, now everybody's sitting there quiet. Not nodding my head on that one. Right? Please be an encouragement by listening. I'm telling you, we don't preach God's word because we didn't know how to fill 45 minutes. We preach God's word because it's the authority of God's word and we follow it with all we've got. Amen? And may we do what it says and we're not going to compromise. I'm in. Being an encouragement. Listen when they come to you. All right? Not sure I can be more clear than that. So point number two. All right? Be an encouragement as you consider the condition and heart of those around you. Be an encouragement as you consider the condition and heart of those around you. Notice he says now, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Three things about him. My brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier. Epaphroditus, this is a guy who's been hanging with Paul while he's in prison. He's encouraging Paul. He's ministering to him. He's his brother, meaning he's saved too. He gets who Jesus Christ is. He's a fellow worker, fellow soldier, arm in arm, side by side, bringing it hard together, right? And uh, he's impressed by the man. Look at the next description. Your messenger and minister to my need. Sent by Philippi. The whole town. They're like, Paul needs someone. Who should we send? And they took a town vote somehow. I don't know how this thing came down. But they come up with the name Epaphroditus. He's the representative dude. You're going for us. And he's their messenger to come to Paul and care for him in his need. And uh, Philippi has sent a man of stature and character. And uh, a man who's committed to Christ and serving Christ. To Paul and um, 
Notice he says now, for, purpose statement, he has been longing for you all and has been distressed. Longing for you all and has been distressed. Now, if you don't read on, right, here's what you hear. He left home and he wants to come back home, right? And like, what's wrong with Epaphroditus? Why would he want to come back home? Like he can't handle a week away on a camping trip? What's the matter? And what's with the guy? And well, it says right after it. Because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. He went out on a missions trip and he almost died sick. No, that's not the word. You know what I'm saying? Like on your deathbed, barely breathing, not sure what would happen. Look what Paul says right after it. He says, uh, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. This was close, man. Epaphroditus had something bad going on and we don't know what disease or what sickness it was, but we do know this. While he went out to minister to Paul, he needed some people to minister to him while he laid in bed almost gone. And, and there was fear for him and there was concern for him. In fact, the word distressed there, longing for you all and has been distressed. Same word that's used of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when it says he was distressed and very troubled. And he sweat like drops of blood. Same Greek word. Distressed. Heavy, belaboring, emotional angst. Knowing that they are hurting for him. And there's no text messaging. And there's no emailing. And there's no Facebooking. And hey, what's going on with Epaphroditus? We haven't heard in four weeks. You know what I'm saying? That's what's going on. A complete lack of information because of distance and no technology. And he's like, please let me go there and get information to them and keep them updated on what's going on and let them celebrate with the fact that God has had mercy on me and I'm healthy and I'm doing well, right? And uh, what a sweet privilege it is when we go through a sickness and we get to come out the backside uh, celebrating and high-fiving uh, that God is at work. And uh, it's been a wild ride around this place for the last couple of months. And uh, some of what I've gone through and some of what Kent's been going through and so many of you in the body and what you've been going through and God's working, don't ever, ever dismiss it. And it's exciting to see what's going on. And uh, he says, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Love that Paul is real. Please be real when you're struggling. You hearing me? Everybody looking at me? Please be real when you're struggling. Uh, it ain't cool to say, no problem here. And then you go home and you're like, oh, I can't believe what might happen. And it's okay to be saying, this is a load, man. And, and I'm wrestling with it, but God is huge. And, and let's play both of those and share both of those and be real about both of those. God works massively in those moments. And Paul's like, uh, I'm anxious. Didn't Paul write, be anxious for nothing? Right? Hang on. It's going to come up in like a chapter. And, and he's making a statement here. There's times where I wrestle with me and I need to set it aside. And, and I love what God's going to do here as I get Epaphroditus to you. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. 
Epaphroditus laying it on the line and God honoring and healing along the way. Uh, What I love is God's at work, always at work. And uh, we never know how. And uh, we're always having to just kind of watch and listen and celebrate as we move along. And there's times where we get to celebrate even within this body. This isn't something that happened 2,000 years ago, but not today. This is going on today. And we get um, what Paul was going through and struggling with as comrades, as soldiers and fellow soldiers, sick. And God, what are you doing and what's next? And the temporal nature of this world smacking them in the face but the ability to be able to celebrate healing in the midst of that. And um, wow, there's great encouragement that can come from that. And being able to share very real what God's doing daily in your life and uh, celebrating what he's doing and healing at times. Uh, It's been a big healing adventure for us in the last five weeks, six weeks, eight weeks now. I lose time. So we're at eight weeks now. And uh, wow, wow. And uh, still adjust in levels, but things are going well. And it's exciting to see God do that stuff. Um, I just wanted to make sure I brought one message to you today. And uh, one update, if you will. All right? And it's important you hear this one too. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Kent to come up. And just give us an update on where you're at, bro. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> well, to give you a little context, uh, it was in 2011 I was uh, first diagnosed with uh, leukemia. And uh, went through chemotherapy and treatments, and God graciously brought healing. And uh, we thought, awesome, because we kept praying, Lord, your will, not my will, be done. And it was always about uh, my king and not my comfort. And it was all about, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, walking by faith and not by sight. And recognizing, as he said in 2 Corinthians 12, that my grace is sufficient. Strength is made perfect in weakness. And uh, then you are all aware, I think most of you are aware, that back in December of this last, uh, last December that I was diagnosed with stage 3 lymphoma. And uh, once again, you take a deep breath and you kind of go, okay, Lord, I don't know what you have in store, but uh, it's not about my comfort. It's about my king. And Lord, here's our prayer, healing, but Lord, not my will your will be done. And then just last Tuesday, on April 30th, I was declared in complete remission. Uh, It's been quite a journey. Um, A journey of faith being shaped, um, God being glorified, the body of Christ rallying together in ways that uh, we hadn't experienced before um, and being able to just say that it's about my king. And it, it always is about our king. And so I need to say thank you for your prayers, words of encouragement. But in all of that, it's about our king who is faithful and mighty to save and to work in huge ways. Ephesians chapter 2. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Appreciate it, bro. Thanks.
Yeah, so uh, what's God doing? Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. We don't know. That's great. We're not trying to have our arms around it. Just go along for the ride and let him be worshipped. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And so, look, be an encouragement. Uh, sometimes it's just step up where you're at and just reach out to the person next to you and pray for them and stand in the gap for them. Sometimes it's take a hit and, and, and watch God do his thing. Please hear me on this now. I'm just going to put one thing together about prayer. Everybody hear me on this. Let's not take a left turn and say, so prayer at harvest is now about always getting what I want. Don't take that left turn. God, you're in charge. And, and, and so my God can... My God will, and even if my God doesn't, he gets all my worship. Amen? And uh, here's the beauty in it. There's times where my God can, my God will, and my God does. And the end. And we get to worship him for that and encourage one another with that. We have a God who answers prayer, and he loves to pour it on in this place. Do not ever think that God doesn't love to just pour on the blessing And so our job is to be thrilled as he blesses and to be thrilled as he challenges and to be thrilled as he changes us from one degree of glory to the next. Our God reigns. Amen. May he constantly have our everything. May we serve him with all we've got. May he always have our attention. He reigns and he rules and he is the reason we encourage. Not to make one another feel good for a short time on earth, but because we are challenging one another to worship the King of Kings for all of eternity. That's what it looks like. You on fire forever? Now that I get. And I'm in with that. May God get the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we just celebrate you and what you do. We are in awe. We are amazed. Uh, each moment... You do things we never expect. And and at times, Lord, we long and we ask, but we lay it back in your hands and we just say, whatever you will, your will be done. Lord, we thank you for Kent. We thank you for Becky. We thank you for what you've done in this family right now with the declaration at the moment. And Lord, we are excited about that. And we celebrate you because of that. You reign in this world. And we're in awe. Lord, may we never take things lightly. And may every battle you call us through be one where we say, we're here for you and whatever you want done. Lord, may we reach out to one another and encourage one another. May we long for one another to be able to see you and know you in a more real way than ever, ever before. May we sing of your name. May we preach of your name. May we celebrate of your name in this place. You, Lord, and nothing else. Jesus Christ lifted up. Absolute reason for encouragement. We serve a God who owns it all. We love you, Lord. We worship you now. It's in your mighty name we pray these things. And all of God's people said.